0: These are uncertain times. This is why The Registry continues to bring its grounded and informed news coverage of everything real estate to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We are able to deliver the reliable news you trust because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at TheRegistryPS.com. Ryan Grahams and Eugene Gershman are two leaders of GIS International Group in Seattle, a real estate development and construction company serving the greater Puget Sound area. The company specializes in single-family and multi-unit projects and it is known for its work in all types of terrain with a particular understanding of difficult building sites such as steep slopes and wetlands. As a third-generation company, GIS has discovered ways to overcome the limitations of traditional building methods, and Ryan and Eugene continue to innovate and lead the enterprise into the next phase of their evolution. Ryan Grahams, Eugene Gershman, uh, how are you guys? Very good,
1: very good. Thank you. Very well, thank you.
0: Great. Where where are you? Are you guys sheltering?
1: Sheltering at home in Bellevue. Uh,
0: Excellent. I'm
2: sheltering at home in uh... <laughs> uh East Lake Sammamish in uh my new home office, which is a uh, chair in my bedroom.
0: Great, <laughs> great. Yeah, we're all adapting uh our uh living spaces to to the new environment, I think, as, as fast as we can. Um well thank you both for taking the time to chat with us. Um I would love for you both to give us a little bit of a background on GIS, who you are, what you've done, what you do rather, and Maybe identify some you know projects that you guys have completed recently that uh, you're uh, you know fairly proud of.
2: Sure, I think both of us can talk at length about this. Uh, this is Ryan. Um, we're a third-generation family firm. We specialize in development and construction. We have uh, engineering background. Um, we've been active in this area and primarily focused in this area for probably over 15 years now. We look for sites that others have strayed away from, which a lot of times include challenging sites, steep slope, near water, critical resources, sometimes forgotten sites. You know, there's not there's not a site we've ever said no to because of its topography, the type of soil, you know, maybe uh, there was contamination. Being in the Seattle area, most of the sites that are still available are not flat, uh, have some sort of challenge. And, and I think that's one of our main differences is that we, we don't stray away from those and, and we're not afraid of those. I think we we combat the challenge of, of every site the same way as what is the goal of the site, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses of it and, and you know which which one of our partners do we need to bring in right. to appropriately study and do feasibility. And that has to do with whether we're whether we're in the project as an owner, investor, which we are. Um, or our development firm. Uh, and also we are a general contractor. You know, a good example of, of, of what we've done in the past is just coming out of the downturn, we acquired a site on Bell Red Road on the uh, Northeast 136 parallel, so that's in Bellevue. We studied a site, it was just under two acres. The project ended up being called Park 12, and, and that's because we we found a way to engage the community, create a sustainable green space uh which is what uh gave the project uh named park and then there was uh 12 smart townhomes and it's kind of a project that uh highlights what we do uh, beginning to end the opportunity came to us we studied it we did feasibility on it then we did pre-development work at which point we designed and permitted it then we uh, built it marketed it and then worked with a sales partner to sell it um, and that's a project we're very proud of.
0: Great. Now, n- no company, I think, thinks about, uh, hey, let's uh, be a company that does challenging, you know, s- slope challenge, sort of slight uh, sites. Uh, you know, that's what we love to do. I, I don't know if you guys really came out uh, when the company was started um, in 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 that way, but uh, you know, tell us a little bit about how that evolved and how that became your specialty.
1: I think that's um, a. Matter of the evolution of our company and our uh, general attitude towards uh, challenges. So we rarely take no for an answer. And whenever we see a difficulty, uh, rather than just turning away and looking for other opportunities, we try to solve the problem and uh, see if there's a solution. And in most cases, there is an engineering solution to uh, solving these issues. And that's, uh, you know, one project led to another project. Uh, A few years ago, we completed a single family uh, residence of about 6,600 square feet in uh, Bellevue on a very steep slope. Um, And similarly, not a lot of builders wanted to uh, touch that site. We happened to uh, evaluate it, look at the uh, numbers Construction costs um, brought in the engineers and um, engineered a solution, built a spectacular home with excellent views overlooking the entire area. As we were doing that, the neighbor called us who had uh, property nearby on that same steep slope, and uh, he was interested in having his uh, land developed. So uh, it Throughout the entire history of the company, it was this uh, sort of series of uh, chances that allowed us to uh, find this niche and uh, working on complicated, uh, complicated sites.
0: Yeah, tell me a little bit about then where you were in 2019. So December of 2019 comes along. Um, I. Assume you've gone through some period of growth, hopefully a positive year for you as it was for most people in the industry. How did things look in 2019? And as you were looking into 2020, how did you um, assess the market at that point in time? So
1: 2019 was a turning year for us. Uh, we uh, were on the heels of completion of part 12, uh, which is uh, which was a challenging uh, project being near uh, wetlands, near a creek. We completed another uh, complex uh, single-family home on a steep slope, and we are under construction, two more single-family custom uh, homes. And in 2019, we were very busy planning the three new commercial projects. So the turnaround for us in 2019 was evolution, uh, or I guess the next wave of evolution, where um, we're looking at uh, starting a... uh, unique multi-family project in Bellevue called GIS Plaza. Uh, it's a, um, residential commercial, uh, mixed use building in downtown Bellevue. Yep. And, um, also, uh, getting ready to start a, an apartment uh, project in uh, Kent, uh, in downtown Kent. Uh, So what, uh, especially the second half of 2019 was uh, mostly growth uh, of the company in terms of uh, our um, uh, staff. We brought in several new project managers and superintendent and breaking ground on both of these projects.
0: Yeah. So it looked positive and 2020 probably had no reason to be any different
1: absolutely 2020 right. was uh, meant to be the big biggest year of our company's history
0: yeah so so March comes along and give us a couple of anecdotes kind of what what that you know meant for you guys personally but also for the company you know how you had to adapt quickly and what are some of the things that you did well I'll jump
2: in the the first thing that comes to mind is we had groundbreaking ceremonies planned uh that actually glad you were to be invited to for both our gis plaza site in bellevue that was going to be the third week in march and then for our madison plaza site that was going to be following week and part of us in the very beginning of march we wanted to go forward with those events thought to ourselves okay let's socially distance with what we knew about what that term even meant i don't know if anybody even heard that or you know what was the gathering limit of people at that time and you know we were all trying to make sense of of what was going on and i remember coming uh home from a backpacking trip and it kind of seemed like you know that's when the outbreak had taken place in kirkland and we were just trying to make sense of how to best go forward and you know we didn't want to put any of our guests for the groundbreaking at risk we didn't want to put any of our staff at risk and at that time we were operating uh, as if we were Uh, And we still were essential. And anyway, we were, we were very excited about everything we're working on and, and also working on third commercial project in our pipeline that we're very excited about called Tacoma tracks and and yeah, and, and. (laughs) And then fast forward to now,
0: yeah, so the firm adapted um obviously, and you as we all had to you know make changes to our their daily lives, w- what did it what did it mean for these projects? Um, did the you know groundbreakings happen? Can you give us a little bit of an overview of sort of you know your your activity then going forward? Well, I think the interesting thing is as as the second
2: week of of March
0: unfolded, I think everything that I know of
2: began to be postponed. And so, um, we, we have, of course, postponed our groundbreakings and definitely we were still working. And then, uh, at that point, once the governor Inslee order came down, it was a matter of, you know, how do we button up our sites and make them safe. And then any essential work that we're working on, of course, we're still doing.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we're all kind of making our, our best of it. Uh, what, what are some other things that you've seen throughout the industry? You know, other folks, you know, your peers and others that are um, kind of in the same boat. Any sense of um, what else is happening and how they're coping with it? Sure, sure. And, and
2: I think because there's been so much change, it was hard to even answer the previous question, you know, from... From the onset of this information coming out, we've been in, in heavy contact with all of our vendors and, and other GCs and other developers. And the first major concern for everybody is what's going to happen to our staff. So, uh, in our case, we've never laid off an employee. So that's been priority throughout. And our goal is to keep everyone working. And I know that, you know, the greatest industry shift is how do we keep people safe? So that means ppes for folks on site that's personal protective equipment there's been a vast shortage of that whether it's masks or gloves or uh, hand sanitizer or on sites that are in early stages of construction or development needing running water with respect to soap
0: you know in our
2: case some of our staff works remote like myself uh regularly But having to adjust to working remote with also the family in the home and then us needing to be respectful of all of our staff and partners and vendors. And, you know, I think on this call, any one of us could experience a family member, you know, bursting in in, inadvertently. And, and I I think it's been very interesting. For those of us company that do operate very digitally and, and have exited sort of the, the old way of construction development, where everything's hand done in an office, everybody all together you know uh, invoices sent via facsimile if anybody remembers what one of those is yeah um, so using technologies like these and uh our firm had switched to teams some uh six nine months ago and so not only were we utilizing our uh, microsoft teams in the office now we're using it remotely and that's been has been a, a great collaborative tool and in the case of my son's school they switched to teams so it was even easier uh, easier for us to, to operate as a family and as a business.
1: Uh, those are just a few of the things. There's there's just so many. But but we're watching as far as industry overall. We're watching supply chains. We're watching oil price uh, prices. It's uh, very interesting to uh, see what's going to happen with uh, you know traditional ways of doing business. We used to buy a lot of products locally from local suppliers and we used to buy directly from international suppliers. Well, now the whole world is on lockdown. Asia is slowly coming back to uh, coming back online uh, and we're seeing uh, responses now from our uh, Asian suppliers. Uh, but even personal protective equipment, we're getting shipments from China, we're getting shipments from Russia. We're um, looking at uh, new uh, uh, local supply houses that are trying to uh, operate uh, as essential uh, service providers. And then costs, even before March, we started hearing uh, some uh, anecdotal rumors of uh, costs, construction costs going down now with the uh, Oil prices uh, at what half or a third of what they used to be. It trickles through the economy and it trickles through uh, um, all kinds of petroleum products uh, that are used. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting shift in the industry in the next uh, few months.
0: Yeah, that's that's to be expected. Um, I'm I'm certain, and and that's a, this is a great segue. You know, maybe to talk a little bit about. I, I don't want to focus on sort of the negative aspects of it, but. As as everything evolves and when we learn more about the virus and everything else, h- how do you see the industry responding and reacting and changing? And I'm thinking more like you know two years from now, three, five years from now, rather than you know in the next sort of immediate kind of twelve to eighteen months.
1: I think the use of personal protective equipment uh, is uh, definitely going to be uh, a very important uh, reminder. I mean the you know construction hard hats have become such a common uh, staple in the industry that nobody questions it anymore I think in the next uh, in the future the protective face masks uh, or face shields are going to become just as uh, common of a staple because that's the way things will have to happen from now on things like remote uh, meetings and uh, remote workplace I think is going to become uh, a lot more um, commonplace than it used to be. Um, A lot of companies allowed their uh, workers to uh, quote-unquote telecommute, but I think uh, going forward, it's just going to be a way of doing business. And it's, uh, (laughs) I was gonna say, it's going to be interesting to see how the demand for office space is going to trickle through the system.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are curious about that as well. Do you see some supply chain things uh, coming back to North America as well? Uh, Maybe Mexico and Canada sort of helping with, um, you know, with some of these raw materials that that are needed for construction?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Uh, Definitely a lot of manufacturing is uh, coming back to North America. Uh, It's... uh... It is difficult, especially in the United States and Canada, with the minimum wage laws. Uh, It's going to be very difficult to compete with uh, very labor-intensive manufacturing that's coming from Asia. But it's definitely with uh, especially evolution of technology, you know, if it's not a very labor-intensive manufacturing, it will definitely be more widespread across uh, North America we're seeing it uh, even today with a lot of you know automobile manufacturing and uh, a lot of construction materials uh, uh, shifting back uh, to uh, North American production.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that is interesting. Um, your company now that you're a third generation, Family business that means your families have seen uh, a couple of downturns or 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 three or four uh, I would love and, and the reason why I asked about you know how you got to um, you know this place in 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 time where you are focused on a certain niche. There is a next cycle. Um, it, when exactly it will happen, we don't know, but it will happen at some point soon. How are you guys preparing, you know, GIS uh, for the for that next cycle, for for the for the you know for the for the future and for the fourth generation of your work?
2: We could both talk about this at length, but
0: some of the lessons we learned
2: coming out of the the last downturn is is sort of more future planning and. Uh, understanding the risk. I know with the previous question, we were talking about supply chains, and the conversation sort of steered in the direction of cost of the materials to source them locally. In the case of some of our active projects, we'd love to use those local project uh, products right now, and that's what we're actively seeking. Is uh, the only challenge is a lot of those supply houses are closed, and so I think when you talk about future planning of projects, the cost is one thing, um, you know, and never more. So the now contingency budgets matter and in, in part, because if we are going to source the material from somewhere far away, the risk of when it gets here or a challenge with those materials when they do get here, which we've seen is, uh, is something that needs to get factored in from a scheduling perspective. Shipping back to the the question at hand, you know, we run, we run a lean team of very talented folks. and uh we heavily rely on our extended team of subcontractors and vendors and consultants and i and i think that though we've been around for a long time and and have the marketing and um uh, and structure of a, of a very large firm that's that's been operating for three generations we're we're agile and uh we might even have slightly millennial tendencies and that we uh we don't steer away from technology and and we try to embrace the change while also, you know, leaning and respecting on the folks that have 30 years of, you know, in the field experience, you know, that and, and really future planning from the standpoint of is what we're designing sustainable. Uh, you know, there's, I keep thinking about how, you know, residential flow and lifestyle has, has changed in the last month or so. We're all working remote more or full-time working remote. You know what do our home offices look like, or what is, for example, the the sound deadening in all of our homes? What is the Wi-Fi capability, just to name a few things that are very critical, and we think will will give us the winning edge as a as a partner or somebody that that folks could hire.
0: Uh, yeah, it's and very, uh... yeah, and and and, and my follow up question to that was going to be, you know, how is the product also changing, right? So the so the two developments that you were going to kick off earlier this year, um, you know, had a certain, you know, design in in mind in terms of the the overall community and and how people interact and things like that. Um, you know, how, how do you see that evolving also in in, in terms of? You know, things like courtyards and um you know that that kind of thing uh, you know given the new normal, if you will that we're going to all have to live with soon
2: that's a that's a great question I, I think I've probably been spending thirty percent of my day uh, living in that subject and in part because you know what we were designing only a few years ago was was larger. you know when we did our park twelve project, those units were uh, in the low two thousand square feet a uh, competition down the street was was targeting more of a 1,600-square-foot model, just as an example. In the case of our Bellevue project, our units are, are smaller. And that was, that was the design decision made to make them not only more affordable, but more sort of sleek and streamlined prior to uh, what we've learned as of recently. I think, though, because the units are more so, I would say, medium-sized, that would allow for more spaces uh, like office niches uh, home gyms, which seem to be, uh, imperative. I know that, you know, gym equipment on the internet right now, home gym equipment is like 4X what it normally is not to brag, but I was lucky. I I got some gym equipment for her, uh, for Christmas and for her birthday, which is in the last four months. So I've been, you know, able to keep myself sane and fit with that. But I know that there's, that's a major concern. And One of the things that we had done a few months ago is, uh, toured all of the what we consider the, the best competition in the market and how their common areas are and you know which buildings were nicer and we've had some real hot-blooded meetings about how to make our building better the uh, buildings better rather and I think that's definitely dramatically shifted as it relates to your question in the last month or so and you know maybe some of those common areas are not as important and you know, one really interesting piece of feedback I got yesterday is maybe the need for an onsite childcare. You know, might be might be a really great amenity to have. Think, things like that that uh, that serve us a little more than like a game room or or something that only a few people go to, or that some folks might not feel comfortable going to. I know that PPEs throughout buildings is is becoming a a new standard. You know, in the form of uh, hand sanitizer when you walk in or Maybe there's a, a newer, smarter way to sanitize footwear, uh, things like that.
1: Right. Well, and uh, the tendency in the last several years has been because of the uh, increase in uh, rental uh, rates and uh, uh, real estate prices and construction costs, the only way to uh, uh, provide uh, more or less affordable is a funny term anymore, but more or less affordable uh, housing was to make uh, homes smaller uh, with price uh, per square foot still being fairly high, but uh, due to the size of the house uh, or or an apartment.
0: Yeah, that uh, was a way to get to affordability, essentially.
1: Exactly. But uh, to mitigate that, uh, we were looking at providing as many amenities as we could to allow people to not spend that much time in a tiny apartment, but to be able to uh, utilize uh, these large common areas uh, to hang out. So now with this shift and uh, with this extended, uh, even as we come out of the quarantine, we're still going to be forced to live in this uh, socially distant, Environment that, uh, yet there will be demand for larger, uh, larger homes and, uh, ability to live within the, uh, confines of one's apartment or house, uh, and not having to interact too much unless it's absolutely necessary.
2: Well, and I just wanted to add to that briefly, a, a commercial broker friend of ours, uh, Lloyd ball. Uh, he's with anomaly that recently moved over to compass. We were talking at length in the last few weeks. And he said, you know, I have never gave uh, residential a fair shake. He said that, you know, I've always been interested in commercial uh, product, uh, mixed use product, bigger things, assemblages. And he's like, now I'm at home. I'm my son's educational facilitator. This is where I, you know, seek refuge. This is my safe haven. This is my wellness center. This is, this is also my home, so it has all the same functions as before. Now it's my office and it's just really interesting uh as it relates to what eugene said how much more thought and dynamic goes into the function of the basic layout of a home at least from the way that we look at how our homes should be working for us and creating this peace and zen if you will due to their function i just think that's it's different now oh yeah Uh, and, Yeah. and it doesn't have to be in a bad way either
0: that's right that's right where our our "Quote unquote," recording studio has found itself in a very interesting spot in our house too. So, um, you know, we're we're all adapting. Um, as kind of a final question for for both of you, um, and again, I you know want to go back to. Uh, you know, looking at the future and looking at sort of the opportunities and the sort of positive aspects that will come out of this, um, there's probably enough of uh, you know bad news out there uh, that we don't necessarily need to focus on that. So I would I would love to kind of you know perspective from you and you know lessons learned from the you know last couple of cycles, last recession, things that you know a a a new new developer who is um, thinking of starting this business, you know, once everything maybe settles um what would be some pieces of advice
1: i think patience is probably the most important um it's interesting but most recessions are different last one was uh, caused by a financial uh, crisis this one was uh not even forecasted if we looked at uh any research from middle of last year, everybody was saying, well, we maybe see a potential recession in the next uh, two years, but not within the first 12 months. There were no economic indicators that could forecast this. Now that we're in, uh, has, has not been officially uh, declared yet, but uh, we're in uh, this uh, slowdown, um, Patience is the most important. But but uh, the, the good news is there's still a lot of cash available on the sidelines. And uh, there are still opportunities uh, out there. I think fundamentals of uh, especially our region here in Western Washington are uh, still strong. Our large uh, employers uh, that are developing uh, these office towers and uh, business parks are still uh going forward with uh, their plans uh despite of what's happening despite the slowdown and it's going to be a matter of time until until we get back to maybe not the same normal but to a new way of normal and the fundamentals are still there there's still going to be uh, population growth in uh, in this region uh there will still be demand for housing it'll be different housing um just like the offices are going to be different but uh, we're going to have growth. So, uh, with uh, that in mind, one just needs to look for opportunities, and opportunities exist.
2: Well, and, and one example of that that we're really excited about that uh, has been going on prior to. Sorry, my son just walked in to show me a, a project they're doing some sort of a, a dinosaur out of dope. That's really cute. I'll come see that right when I'm done with this.
1: It's, it's made with a ha- uh, fourth cup of salt, a uh, fourth of
2: uh, flour and a half a cup of water thank you i love you i'll come see in just a minute (laughs) all right well i guess that was predicted Uh, listen he's the future
0: workforce of this uh of this country right so i think we have to listen to them because they're going to be taking everything over soon no,
2: it's true. Ane- anecdotally, I, I saw a picture from four years, three years ago, and he was this is my oldest son who's seven. He was standing next to me. So he would have been four at the time doing dishes. And somehow, I don't know if it was uh reverse psychology or, or whatnot, but he became my, my dishwashing buddy. And I actually just posted on Facebook earlier that I need to figure out how to get my dishwashing buddy back and his lower, uh, his younger <laughs> brother, who's the same age as he was to be his assistant. And maybe we've come up with something sustainable here. But that relates to what I was gonna say, which is we've always relied on referrals and community partnerships and community engagement. And one of the philanthropic ways and one sustainable organization that really stands out is, is Youth Care. Um, they're located over there in Youth Village. We've been doing jacket drives and and sort of everything we can with with our philanthropic energy to support them. And one thing that really stood out as very positive is when uh, I got an email from the NHL, which we're proud to support that they were delaying uh their next payment until july and this is they announced that about a month ago it was, it was very generous of them to do that uh, but they also announced they were donating a hundred thousand dollars to youth care well youth care to me is special because they offer essential emergency items jackets during the winter toiletries things like that but that is an olive branch for uh, homeless youth to get out of homelessness. And I know that right now, the most at-risk folks are even more so at risk and are going through even further trials and tribulations. And there's an organization, Don, that we're working to partner with out of Kent. They help out battered women and and other battered survivors, as they call them. And one of the ways we've been trying to work with them is creating residential units for survivors to to not only exit the state of emergency, but to re-enter society strong and and doing it from living in a very nice
0: unit—that's that's great. Uh, Two-degree custom
2: designed and built, and it's something we're very proud of.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and I think kind of community-based things going forward will definitely be more in the forefront of everybody's work because I think that um, as as we are all going through some kind of a you know crisis, um, there are others who are going through much worse, and um, we are all going to have to you know chip in. To to help. So I, I um, that that's a very nice story. And thank you for doing that.
2: Absolutely. And I just wanted to add, add briefly that, you know, homelessness is, is is folks in the area definitely in crisis. And it's something that all of us in the area have noticed. And, and a lot of us want to do something about it. Um, they say the number 1 corollary with homelessness in King County is domestic violence. And so that's why I highlighted youth care and Don, because they're 2 organizations trying to sustainably solve the problem and using federal aid and governmental partnership. And I, I think sustainability, whether we talk about that crisis or. Development and construction and commercial real estate, that's just also interrelated.
0: Ryan, Eugene, thank you guys both for your time. Uh, Much appreciated. Uh, Stay safe and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank Thank you, you very much, Vlad. You too.